in today's show. We're looking at the fantasy basketball waiver wire, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Here we are to look at the waiver wire, looking at guys we might want to add. The short-term, long-term values, guys that might be droppable, some upside stash players. It's getting an interesting time now. Trade deadline is less than a month away. And I probably will do some sort of show about the trade deadline and 85% of that will be wrong because that's just the nature of the trade deadline. We can speculate on deals all the time, but I would highly, highly suggest that in most cases, you never make a fantasy move based on a rumored trade or something that you think might happen because those trades just don't go down. And majority of the vast majority of the trades that happen will be either ones that don't impact fantasy or and B, one and B, one and two, um, two, ones that you don't have any forewarning of. So there's no stashability there. So a lot of the times you just burn roster spots, stashing blokes, hoping for certain things to happen. So I'll still do a video on it, but let's talk waiver wire at the moment. Let's look at the most added players. Over the last 24 hours, <clears throat> number one, the Farmers Union himself, Amir Coffey. This comes off the back of the game that he put up yesterday, where he had 18, 5, and 7 with four steals, which also comes off the back of a game where he had 21 and 5 with five threes and three assists. Now, he's playing well, quite obviously, shooting the three ball really well, 40% shooter over the last couple of months from three. In fact, over the last two weeks, he's hitting 47%. He's at 41% over the last 22 games. Um, and what I have seen from Amir Coffey, I've been pretty impressed. He's been playing a really consistent 20-minute-a-night role. It was weird. He really didn't play at all. And then came in and went, all right, 20, from the 22nd of December, from then on, he hasn't played under 23 minutes a night. Actually, that's not true. He played 22. But I do believe that he is looking at a pretty long-term starting role here. Terrence Mann's been demoted. Luke Kennard is going to come back, and that's going to have an impact. I think there is going to be an impact there. I don't know whether Kennard starts or not, but with Coffee, with Mann, with Batum, with Kennard, all those guys in the mix, BJ Boston a little bit, but not really, um, there is you know, fluctuations going to happen. The report today is the Clippers are maybe not expecting Paul George to return. And I think that's pretty realistic, to be honest. We don't know on George that we're going to give him three or four weeks to rest the elbow. But if there's no improvement, he's done. Like if he's not back in that four weeks, I don't think he's coming back because it'll mean surgery and then he's, he's out. Um, and that opens up permanent minutes there. And he's played 76 in the last two games, Amir Coffey. Is he worth grabbing? It probably is. He's 90th ranked player in the last two weeks. He's getting, and he's doing that not with getting, you know, three steals a game. He is hitting 55% of his shots, which is not going to stick. 12 points, four rebounds, three assists, two threes. 
It's the, the three-point shooting, which will come down, and so will the two-point shooting. But I don't mind grabbing him. I think grabbing him and then seeing what happens, much like when yeah, George went down the first one, yeah, let's try Man, let's try Bledsoe, let's try Batum, let's try um, Canard. They'll all be in that fringe area, and I think Coffee just adds to the mix. But the trend is in his direction, so we'll add him, we'll see where it goes, and then maybe it falls away. That's sort of what you need to do around this time. Nekrokongu has been added in a lot of spots, and that makes complete sense as well. We've got Clint Capella dealing with an ankle problem. And the game before Capella's ankle problem, it was a 26-22 minute split. Do, do I think there'll be a minute split moving forward? No, I don't. But I do think that a Kongwu can be at least 14-team relevant. And for now, you, you add him. I think he's really good. And there's a lot of value in him. Hassan Whiteside's been added quite a bit. Cool. The It's pretty obvious why. Gobert is out. Whiteside's in. Gobert comes back. Whiteside goes out. Straightforward. And it makes sense. Maxi Kleber, one of the most added players. Yep, no Porzingis. The Mavericks play today. While Porzingis is out, Kleber has 12-team value. When Porzingis returns, Kleber probably doesn't have that value. Terrence Ross has been added. I mean, sure, he's fine. He probably should be on a 12-team roster. I just think that when we head to fantasy playoffs... He's going to be playing 23 minutes tonight on a better team, and it's not going to be useful. DeAndre Hunter. Nah. Why is he being added? He had a roster percentage rise of like 11%. He wasn't rosterable at the start before his injury. I don't think he's going to be that guy now. Um, again, if you are scrounging the waiver wire, I get it. There's a guy that's going to come back and have a role, but I don't really see it as a, as a must-add scenario. Again, if I'm making a decision between him and Terrence Ross or Maxi Kleber, I think Hunter does have obviously the potential to be better than those guys. You know, Okongwu and Whiteside, way more value now. But again, if you are looking forward, there is a chance he can maintain that value. I'm just not super interested in it. PJ Tucker, that's surely just streaming for today. Tom Bryant, I talked about a lot on yesterday's show. Uh, what I think is going to happen here is Harold Gafford and Bryant are going to just thieve minutes away from each other. And none of them are going to be must-roster 12-team league players, and they'll end up being like 14-team league guys. I don't think Bryant is as good as other people. People think he's like his animal, his beast. He's a dominant player, and they're just going to carve out all these minutes. I don't think he's that good. I think he puts up okay numbers, but that doesn't always translate to good on-court play. And yes, that is great for fantasy if you don't have competition for minutes. But the bloke couldn't even explode when Robin Lopez was his backup last year. Um, and, you know, now we've got two significantly better options there in Harrell and Gafford, and how they view who is the best of those guys, I, I don't know. I get taking the flyer on him, and if it's a no-cost move, by all means. But if you have to drop a valuable player, or you have to sacrifice, you know, poor performances for the next three weeks while you wait for him to ramp up, then it is a, a, an iffy decision. Duncan Robinson's been added. Yeah, three-point streaming. Miami plays today. That's cool. I don't think he's a must-roster at all. Well, Brandon Clark. Yeah, that's good. Add him. Um, again, with Adams out, he's playing well. I don't know that it's going to maintain at 12-team value when Steve Adams returns. I'd be pretty doubtful. In fact, yeah, the majority of this season and last season would tell us that probably it doesn't. But it, it is worth taking a crack at and seeing exactly where we go from here. But one thing I also suggest you take a crack at is price picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And if you haven't tried it, mate, go and check it out. It is one of the best ways that you can, not at one of, it is the best way that you can play daily fantasy. It's the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, in fact. And unlike other 
DFS prop operators, it's not just the superstar blokes that are in there. It's everyone. Your Amir Coffees, your Omer Yetsevens, your Udonis Haslams, whatever prop you can think of, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes, fantasy points. You just go in and you pick an over-under on that specific projection and that's it. Go sign up. Use our code NBA, get 100% match deposit bonus up to $100. And to create an entry, it's easy. Just pick two to five individual player props, smoosh them together, and you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. The entries are fast. It takes 60 seconds or less. Payouts are safe and fast also. And that's it. Really simple stuff. So go to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app. Pricepicks is daily fantasy made easy. If you're not playing Pricepicks, you honestly don't know what you're missing. Let's look at some droppable players. As always, on your name being on this list does not mean that you must be dropped. doesn't mean that you have to be jettisoned. It means that maybe you can be. But if you're Trey Lyles, then you probably can be. Trey Lyles um, had taken Isaiah Stewart's minutes. He had some nice little shooting performances. But in reality, being a good NBA player takes being a good NBA player, and Trey Lyles isn't that. And it caught up to him. <clears throat> so, yep, stream him in, no worries. Drop him. Let's go. Move on. Hamadou Diallo. I reckon this one was one of the most obvious ones of all time. We saw that when Cunningham and, and uh, Grant and everyone was out and it was, it was Diallo and Bay, that Diallo put up big numbers in big usage. And that's been the pattern of his career, is that when he's in a situation where, and it happened with the Thunder before he was traded to the Pistons, there was a, there was a situation where they'd lost, like, yeah, Shea was out and Dort was out and someone else was out and he was playing point guard and he was playing big minutes and big usage and the numbers came. And that's almost true for every NBA player. Shout out Tony Snell. If they get into a situation like that, they'll put up big numbers. But we've seen Diallo's minutes come down from 40 to you know, 35 to 30 to 29 to 28 to 24. And he was like 18 last game. Right? It's dropping way off. And he's not good enough on a permanent basis to suggest being a must-hold. I, I don't mind holding him until Olenek comes back or Grant comes back. And he's still putting up some okay steal numbers. But his time as a must-roster guy, I think he's done. D'Anthony Melton, terrible. Last three games have been atrocious, just putrid. Cannot shoot at all at the moment. Played 12 minutes, had four fouls last game. I get the reaction to drop him. But I know that when Dylan Brooks is out in the past, he has played 27, 28 minutes and been a top 70 player. This is a horrible shooting run. If Melton comes out and plays 18 minutes next game and shoots 55%, then I go, all right, well, they've just completely gone off him and they're prioritizing Zaire Williams. And then we can drop him. Well, I, am, I personally am not doing it because I've seen the track record of when his minutes go up, the production will be there and he will be a fantasy asset. The problem is the minutes haven't gone up. And last game was obviously the, the big outlier with the 12 minutes. Okay, that's horrific. I would have more patience. Kevon Looney had some good games lately. He's not a 12-team league guy, so yet no wonder he was dropped. Nico Batum um, <clears throat> started, had one good game, one bad game. He was worth streaming. They had a back-to-back. Again, there's just a mess there, though. So if you do want to move on, move on. These are more guys now that are rostered in a lot of spots that I think you can consider dropping. Bogdan Bogdanovich, Hunter returning, Herder there. Just too many, comp- too much competition for minutes. Get a couple of injuries and Bogdan will be a must-roster guy. I don't think he is. I don't think he's a must-drop, but I don't think he's a must-roster. Jordan Poole, I-, I do think we can move on there from Paulie with Clay Thompson back and-, and still only playing 20 minutes. Poole's role's cut in half, basically and his numbers are going to drop. And I think they're going to keep getting worse. So I think you can drop him. Timmy Hardaway, not a must-roster guy. He will be for some people. They have that value where you're really just craving points and you don't care about the field goals, but his role is limited. Josh Green's actually pushing for more playing time now. 
Hard to see him as a must. Same with Kobe White, who is going to lose out even more when Alex Caruso returns, and then in a few weeks when Javante Green returns. We've already seen White's role start to be reduced and his production fall away. And then Dennis Schroeder. I wouldn't drop Schroeder now because Marcus Smart is out and he's going to have value. But when Smart and this team is healthy, Schroeder is not a 12-team league player. And he is going to, I think, see either himself reduced to a 20-minute-a-night role or get traded onto another team. Um, so that means when you're looking long-term, you can drop Schroeder. You don't drop him now because, again, they will play today without Smart and he will start and put up good numbers most likely. But longer term, yeah. Let's look at some must-roster players. <clears throat> In general, if these guys are on your waiver wire, you should be looking at your roster with a critical eye and going, which one of these other assholes can I get rid of to add this player? You might be in a league where every single one of these is on your waiver wire, which would be pretty weird. And I reckon that you almost look at this as a priority list. Because these guys are available in some situations. Because I have had people, again, ask me, hey, do I drop Kevin Love? Not, no, you don't. And he's available. And I see the roster percentages. So let's go through them. All these guys in all formats should be rostered. Kevin Love, Josh Hart, Josh Giddy, Herbalife Jones. Again, stuff can change. Zion might come back and then Jones has got nothing. Lillard might come back and then Simons has got nothing. And Simons is going to drop. But he's going to drop from being a top 15 player to probably a top 80 player. And then when Lillard comes back, sorry, if Lillard comes back, then he's not rosterable. But now he is. Patrick Beverly. I put Kelly Linick in here and I paused. I, I didn't know whether I should or not. I think we're going to get him back maybe towards the end of next week. And that's before Jeremy Grant. And then he might ease into 25 minutes. And honestly, Kelly Linick in 25 minutes is a must-roster player. <clears throat> I'm not as confident on him as these other guys. But... I do think that 25 for him is feasible and doable. And I think he's actually pretty good. Marcus Morris, again, with the word or noise about Paul George, his last two games have been bad and he can be bad. At times he is very bad. But I think in totality, he is a guy that thrives on getting high usage. That's where his fantasy value comes from. And if George doesn't come back, he is going to, he's not going to be afraid to take shots. We know that. He's going to have good usage. Jared Vanderbilt bar. Yep. 12 team league guy. And then, the uh, rabbit hunter himself, Alex Caruso. Be very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. I think the Bulls have really missed Caruso. Um, just his defensive ability and that, that ability to generate steals has been really, really important for fantasy leagues. And he's been adding assists and hitting threes. Yes, Kobe White is back now, but I honestly think that Caruso just goes back, plays his 28 to 30 minutes, maybe more. Maybe he starts, I don't know because uh, they're not having huge amounts of faith in Derek Jones Jr. Um, and uh, I would be grabbing Caruso as the return should be coming really, really soon. BetOnline wishes you a happy betting new year or a new betting year, however you want to phrase it, whatever it is. They wish it to you. The playoffs <clears throat> are ready for the NFL. We are halfway through the NBA season and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year. It's a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our promo code LOCKEDON. From basketball to football, the NHL, boxing, UFC, or right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all of the great offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. I can smell my partners in the bedroom burning sage. Really just, it's soaking. It's the first time she's done it and it's like coming through. Let's look at some upside grabs. <clears throat> Again, these are ones that maybe there's some short-term value. Maybe there's not. 
but they are some interesting options just to be keeping an eye on. And in Brooklyn, two guys who I think are impressing at the moment, Cam Thomas and Dayron Sharp. Now, at this point, I don't even know whether Harden or Kyrie or Claxon are going to play in the game on Wednesday. If they're all out, yeah, both these guys I think are worth streaming. Thomas, to me, is a player who should be getting more run over a David Duke, over um, whatever the hell James Johnson's doing, um, even at times over Bembry. And he's just worth watching. So I think if, as he gets better, there is a role that he can establish himself in, especially on nights when Kyrie is out. And Daron Sharp, <clears throat> he provides something interesting. A bigger body, a really good rebounder, and if Claxton struggles, and if Aldridge is hurt, and these looks maybe there's a priority for him over Griffin, he's just a name to watch. I'm going to keep banging on about Josh Christopher. I think he can be really good. I think that he has, I won't say more upside than Jalen Green, because he, he doesn't, but not the difference between him and Green, from what I've seen, is not as large as the difference in their draft positions might suggest. Getting the minutes is tough, because you've got Porter, you've got Green, you got Gary Bird, you got uh, Eric Gordon. There's even bloody Armani Brooks in there. But I reckon there's something going to happen. BJ Boston's an interesting one with the absences of, or the potential absence of Paul George for the season. Man, Kanar, like these guys are just fluff. Like they're just floundering around. They're not doing anything exciting. And BJ has gone from the 55th pick or 53rd pick or whatever it was to being a regular 15 to 20 minute a night rotation role. Push that to 28 and there might be something there. I'm putting Isaac Okoro on this list, but I do not buy Isaac Okoro as a 12-team league player. But again, if you're looking for ups, upside players who have minutes locked in, it's him. He'll come back from the elbow. He'll play 30 minutes. He'll probably score nine points with four rebounds and an assist, which is shit house. But there is a chance that something clicks and you want to take that click chance. Bold Bowl is on this list. Again, <clears throat> I do not believe that Bold Bowl is a good NBA player. I do not believe that Bold Bowl will become a good NBA player. I do know that if Bold Bowl plays big minutes, he will put up good fantasy stats. And they are very different things. Finding 25 minutes and on the Pistons roster isn't as easy as you think. Stewart, Grant, Bay, Diallo, Olinick, even Lyles. Dwayne Casey is not a guy that's going to go out there and go, well, you know what? I've got a trusted veteran here. I've got a trusted veteran. And I've got a guy who's actually terrible, but has got great upside. And I'm going to play the guy with great upside. Like, that's just not what he does. Saban Lee or Corey Joseph? Corey Joseph. Killian Hayes or Corey Joseph? Corey Joseph. Like, he doesn't do it. He doesn't play the young guys just because. Isaiah Stewart, the only bloke who's potentially our center of the future, have 21 minutes. Like, he doesn't do it. Will he change his mind on bowl? I would guess not. Then where does Bowl get the 25 minutes? Does he take them from Lyles? Probably. Does Grant get traded and that opens up more minutes? Maybe. There is upside here in Bowl. I'm not denying that. His fantasy upside is through the roof. But you've got to pair fantasy upside with opportunity to get that. And I'm not sure it happens. I'm not sure that he's just going to be like, well, we've got Bowl now. It's time to unleash. 25 minutes to bowl. Everyone sit back and let him be a lazy ass on defense and you know, throw crazy passes that have no chance of coming off because he thinks he's cool. Uh, that, and that's basically what bowls game's been in Denver. But if you want to stash him, I, I get the upside is there. The fantasy upside. The fantasy upside is there. Real NBA player, I don't buy it at all. And another upside grab, Johnny Isaac. I know that you may question whether this bloke exists, 
but he does because I saw him doing a video for a book. Cool. So he does exist somewhere. Um, there is something <clears throat> really stinky going on with this situation. Really stinky. He tore his Alan, uh, Al. He tore his ACL. It is an L. He tore his ACL in August. August of 2020. And we still do not know when he is returning 17 months later. That is one of the longest ACL returns of all time. Now, is it he re-injured it? Did he have complicating injuries? Is there something on, going on behind the scenes? I have no idea. But I do know that when Jonathan Isaac plays, he puts up fantasy numbers. Drafting him was a bad decision. Holding him through the first 12 weeks has been a bad decision. But now, I don't mind if you want to take a grab and say, well, may, maybe he comes back in the next couple of weeks because he might be a top 100 player for the games he plays. I highly doubt it. I really highly doubt it. And personally, I wouldn't do it. But we're at a stage now where, again, drafting him, shocking decision. Picking him up now, maybe be okay. Maybe be okay. And let's go to some other names that I think are worth mentioning. Omer Yetzevan. Dwayne Dedman, he's going to return. Maybe today. In fact, let's check whether he's officially been ruled in or not. Um, no, he's still questionable. Will Yetzevan play over Dedman? I think there's a possibility, but it's far from a guarantee. Um, I'm holding Yetzevan. I'm not dropping him because Dedman's back. But if Dedman plays equal minutes to Yetzevan, then he is a, a clear drop because Bam's going to be back next week and Yetzevan's going to have no value. Dan Gafford talked about Tom Bryan earlier. I'm, I'm just mentioning Gafford because I am holding. I'm not dropping. I wouldn't be like, well, Tom Bryan's back. I've got to drop Gafford. I'd like to see what happens first, at least in one game, before I drop a bloke who's a top 100 player. I'll just hold and figure it out. And let's just see what... And if, if it takes me a week of him getting 12 minutes a night, that's not true. If he gets 12 minutes a night, Dan Gafford, then he goes. But if he plays 18 minutes a night for a week, I'll, go, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wear that and then I'll move on. The wiki Chris Boucher. While players are injured, Barnes and Trent, he's a 12-team league guy, clearly. Alperen, Shengun, and Isaiah Hartenstein, two guys that are good, very good permanent players. Both are currently out. Shengun's going to return soon. Hartenstein, we hope, is going to return soon. Is the upside there for these guys to get 30 minutes with the way the rosters currently are? No. If they get 23 a night, will they be useful enough? Yes, they will. But we need to see that happen. Hartenstein was pushing there. He was on his way there. He was looking like a 12-team league player before the injury, and Shengun was on the fringes. These are just upside -y. I probably should have had him in the upside stash section, but the upside for those guys is almost higher than anyone you'll find on the waiver wire. Gary Payton's a name. He's playing well. The minutes are under 20, but he's getting steals enough, and I think with Draymond out the next few games, there'll be some value in him. Emmanuel Quickly, another name. I just wish they would give him more minutes, but I do not trust Thibs to do that at all. And he looks more of a streamer. And Jordan Wara, yep, while players are out, no problem. And then when Allen, Hill, Connaughton, Holiday, DiVincenzo, when they're all back together, then I just don't see how the minutes are going to be there for him. And that will do it for me today. Drop your comments down below. What did you think? Who is the waiver wire guy? Actually, well, let's try this. Who do you disagree with me on? Are you adding Tom Bryant? Are you dropping Omer yet seven? What do you disagree with? Drop it in the comments. And if you are following on audio, follow me again. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey, and uh, YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments. We're done. Guys, thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.